You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. As we get started, um, I just want to give you guys a little recap. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that we uh, are just getting out of a series called My Big Fat Mouth. And we heard Pastor Michelle speak and Pastor Farrell. And last week, Pastor Farrell really hit on a, on a good point. And he talked about when we find ourselves in situations where we might want to react to something someone says or we might be reacting and, and speaking in the moment, what he encourages us to do is to pause and ponder before we speak. And when we do that, it gives us an opportunity to engage our heart and engage our mind about what we're about to say. And if we do that, then what happens is that we're able to make sure that what we want to communicate is actually what's getting said. But how many of us know that even though we might want to be great communicators sometimes, it's not always that way. I mean, there's been times where I've said stuff to Nally and I've had the best intentions. I've known this is the right word to say, and yet when I say it, it's not exactly how I wanted it to come out. And so that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. It's going to be how are we communicating? So as we get into this, if you would just bow your heads and pray with me real quick. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today, God. We thank you for just the opportunity to come together uh, as your body of believers and just be able to worship you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you just give me the words to speak and that you just prepare our hearts and our minds for what it is that you want us to hear, God. And Lord, for the campuses over at Cornelius and Statesville, I pray the same thing, God, and not just for Grace Covenant, but for all the churches in the surrounding area, Lord, because your message isn't just for grace. It isn't just for those churches, but it's for the lost, God. And God, I pray that you just prepare our hearts to reach those who are longing to know you, God, because we know that's what you long for above all else. So be with us. We love you and we thank you. Your name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be camping out at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at chapter 5, verse 20. And the big question that we're trying to figure out is that if we're engaging our hearts, we're engaging our minds, and we're trying to figure it out, what it is that we're trying to say to people, the important thing to know is, what is our message? You know, what is it that when we engage our hearts, when we engage our minds, that we're going to try to communicate? And so 2 Corinthians has that answer for us. And chapter 5, verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so when we look at that title of being Christ's ambassadors, that means that when we are speaking with people, then we are representatives, we are spokespersons for Christ's message. So it doesn't matter what we selfishly want. It doesn't matter what we think. It's not about what we might want to communicate to people in the flesh, but it's about what God is trying to communicate to the world. You see, God has done an incredible thing for us, and he is the perfect gift, and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins, and he's the one that saves people. And he allows us to be a part of that journey, that even though we're not perfect, he allows us to be a part of what it is that he's trying to communicate, and he allows us to be a part of his work in this world. But like I said before, we're not necessarily the best at communicating what it is that we're trying to. And I always think of it kind of like the movie Titanic. And in the movie, 
Uh, there's this gentleman in in the movie. His name's Bruce, and he's a historical character. And he's basically the, the businessman, the man on the ship that represents the, the company that owns the Titanic. And he's basically got one goal in mind while he's on the ship. And he's always talking about if we can get to New York fast enough, we're going to be able to break records. We're going to be able to show people what this ship can do. And we're going to see, be seen as great. And so you see him throughout the movie. He's always trying to talk to the captain. He's always trying to tell people, like, we just need to go faster. We need to get on a direct route and get to New York. And that's his one goal. And so you see the captain finally give in, and he finally reaches a point where he's like, okay, that's something we can do. We'll start going faster. And then what happens? The captain ends up kind of stop paying attention to the safety protocol, stops paying attention to what's going on in the water in front of him, And then we all know what happens. They hit the iceberg and they crash and they never even make it to New York. And so for this businessman, he had the right goal in mind. He wanted to get to the end point as quick as possible. But in being so focused on that, he stopped to realize, or he didn't realize what was going on in front of him in the water, what icebergs were out there. And I think that's something that we as Christ ambassadors do sometimes, you know, in a culture that is so confused sometimes about who Jesus is or we misrepresent who Christ is and what his message is, that we get so focused on just getting to the end result. We get so focused on telling them that they need to turn their lives around for Christ that we don't even know what they're going through. We don't know what the icebergs in their lives are. And so we end up sometimes, if we're not careful and we're not paying attention to the situations, we do more damage than we do good. And so I want to talk to you guys today a little bit of just that responsibility of being the ambassadors of Christ, the responsibility that we carry when God has trusted us to be his communicators of his message to the world. Because if we look at Proverbs, we see two things said about a messenger. You know, when a king sends a messenger out to go and give a message to another person, it says two things about him. The first one is in Proverbs 13, that a wicked messenger can fall into trouble. But in Proverbs 25, it says, like the coolness of snow at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to those who send him. So if God's trusting us with his message and we can be trustworthy with it and we do everything we can to effectively communicate what God's trying to tell his people and tell the lost people in this world, then it is going to be a refreshing experience and it is something that is going to be glorifying to God rather than detrimental to the people who don't know him. So what I want to do today is just talk about four key points that I think that if we're trying to speak to people, if we're trying to communicate God's message to the world, if we can pay attention to these four points, then I think it's going to help us really set ourselves up for success. And they're not going to be written on the screen, so unfortunately you have to be listening carefully to what I'm saying. You can't just look up and write what you see on the board. It's not going to happen. But if we want to be effective communicators of God's message, if we want to share the message of Christ with those people, then the first thing we need to do is we need to be aware of who we're talking to. We need to understand where people are at in their faith walk. Know where they're coming from, but also more importantly, we need to be okay that they might not be at the same place as us. You know, as someone who I gave my life to Christ right before high school, and I've been on this journey for some years now, but 
That means that I can have conversations. I can be held to a standard. I can have people call things out on me that I know are going to make me better because I know that's where I'm at with my relationship with God. But you probably can't have the same conversations with someone who's never set foot in a church a day in his life. Because for him, someone who might not know God, might not know what Jesus has done for them or even believe it, there's no point of them trying to hold themselves to that standard. You know, it reminds me of when I was in high school. I had the same teacher for four years of math. Not that I took the same class four times, but I had the same teacher for four years. Um, He moved up. I moved up. It was a good thing. But I remember I was sitting in in a freshman class. I I was sitting in his class my freshman year, and, and he had one of his seniors come in and start asking him questions. They take out the graphing calculator. They're talking about stuff I'm not even ready to listen to yet, but... They start talking about these different laws, these rules they've learned in their class, how to put it into the calculator. They talk about all this terminology. And and I just reached a point as a freshman where I just kind of zoned out because it's not even concepts or anything that I've been exposed to. So there was no way for me to have an idea of what they were talking about. But then a couple years down the road, I'm in that class my senior year, and I just had this moment where you kind of look back and you realize, wow, Four years ago, I couldn't even listen to this stuff. And now I'm in this class. I'm talking about it with my teacher. We're we're going through these problems together. And we can address it because I've taken the steps to grow to that point. And I think about my teacher at the time. and, And if he was a teacher looking at me as a freshman and expecting me to know high school math, that wouldn't be a fair place to put me in. Because he knows what he's got to walk me through. He knows what he has to teach me. And he knows that eventually those conversations can happen. And it's the same thing that we have to do when we're trying to reach the lost. You know, we can't expect someone to walk into the church doors and just act like a church culture, like they've been doing it their whole lives. You know, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I gave you milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it yet. We have to be willing to see people where they're at and help them walk through that process of gradually getting to know who Jesus is. And one of my favorite authors is Ravi Zacharias. If you've ever read his stuff or try to comprehend his stuff, you know he, he, he uses a lot of big words first. But he knows his stuff really well. And this is a guy who can argue any kind of worldview. He can discuss any kind of moral discussion, whatever it may be. He's a man who has spent his life studying scripture, studying philosophy, studying theology, and figuring out why Jesus is the answer. And he could probably hold his own against anyone else in the world. But if you ever talk to him, or if you ever listen to him about how do we engage those conversations, You know, how do we approach someone or handle talking to someone who doesn't have the same opinion and the same view as us? He always says this, before you can get into any conversation, remember that behind every question, there's someone asking a question. You know, sometimes we get so caught up on the doctrine, we get so caught up on the discussion at hand and trying to prove our point that we forget that there's someone over there that's trying to figure this out for themselves, that's trying to understand why you believe what you do. And so we need to be able to meet people where they're at and know where they're coming from and help engage them in the process of getting to know who God is. But that doesn't mean that we have to necessarily 
deter from talking about Jesus. It doesn't mean that we dilute our message, but maybe at the beginning, it's not necessarily how we're talking to them. And so that brings us up to our next point. If we want to be effective communicators of God's message, then we need to be worth listening to. And what I mean by that is our lives need to be an example of what it means to be transformed by Christ. You know, when we sit here in worship, when we sit here on a Sunday or in small groups, we talk about how the Holy Spirit has transformed us. And we talk about how God has changed our lives for the better. But when we're at work, when we're hanging out or we're picking up our kids and we're talking to parents, is that the life that we're representing? You know, to the rest of the world, do we really look transformed by Jesus? Or are we just like every other religious group out there? Our lives need to be an example of what God has done for us. And in Titus it says, in everything, set an example by doing what is good. So when I was living in Gainesville, uh, Natalie and I, we were married. We were married for one day up until like six months or whatever. So we were just in our first year of marriage. And um, we always said that when we were going through premarital counseling, when we were going through that, we always said that we wanted our home to be a place that was inviting and welcoming to people. So down the road, if that meant we had kids who had friends or, or if our friends came in town and needed a place to say, we always wanted our home to be a welcoming environment. But because we were just one year in marriage, um, a lot of our friends were in similar seasons, but maybe a little bit ahead or a little bit behind. So we had a lot of friends who were either just getting into serious dating relationships for the first time or, or maybe they just got engaged or they were talking about getting married, whatever it may be. Um, but that's where a lot of our friends were. And so we got into a lot of conversations of, hey, you guys are married now. What is it like to be a Christian and being married? How do you as a husband act towards your wife or to a wife vice versa? Like how do you keep God at the center of your marriage? And we didn't know all the answers, obviously, but we were kind of going through that and we would talk and we would try to discuss those things with them. But being in Gainesville and kind of living in the town that we went to college and you had a lot of friends, not Natalie, I had a lot of friends that would come back to town and realize, oh, I didn't find a place to stay. So we would have people crash at our house all the time. But I'll tell you, for all the conversations that we have with people about sharing our faith, how we work out our marriage, how we do those things, nothing that we said spoke more than when those people came into our home. Because when we invited people to stay at our house, we, we invited them into our safe place. We invited them to where we could normally have the walls put up. And they got to see how Nally and I acted in the evenings together. Or when it was time to wake up, are we willing to serve each other in the mornings? You know, they got to see when things aren't great and we do have tension, how are we going to communicate and respect and honor each other? And in all of that, it doesn't mean that we were living perfect lives or acting like everything's great. But what we were able to do is set an example of even when times are hard in marriage, even when things are tough, this is still a life worth living. And it's worth it when you keep Christ at the center of it. And the way we acted, the way we looked when people came into our home spoke more than anything we could have ever told them. And I don't know if that's really what they got from it, but I know that that's what we're focused on doing, is letting our lives be an example of what we try to express to people. And that's how we have to be as Christ ambassadors. 
It can't just be saying scriptures or repeating scriptures to people, but our lives have to be an example of what that scripture means, of what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. Uh, number three, if, if we're going to be effectively communicating, we know we have to know our audience, and we know that we have to, um, we have to be setting the example, but we also need to be prepared. You know, one of the ways of, of setting that example for people is not just doing it when the time comes, but putting it into practice before you're in those conversations, putting it into practice before we're in those moments. You know, in, in Luke, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Now, a lot of times what we end up thinking is that we don't have to worry about our relationship with God. We don't have to worry about preparing for these conversations because when we get in those moments, we can just submit it to God and it's going to be okay. And there are times when God does speak in moments like that. But when Jesus is speaking to his disciples at this time, he's speaking to 12 guys that have spent their whole lives following Jesus. Or not their whole lives, but their whole those years together following Jesus. And they were spending time in community with him day in, day out. Breaking bread with him, spending time in conversation with him. And that's what he's talking about in our relationship with him. Because we can listen to the Holy Spirit in those moments when conversations come up. But what we can prepare ourselves to do is decipher when it is the Holy Spirit talking. Or to know when it's actually God speaking to us and wanting us to say something or if it's our own selfish desires. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Aaron and I, we, were, um, we helped volunteer at the YMCA prayer breakfast. And, and we laugh about it because we, we realized we, we showed up there and I knew I was saying a prayer. He knew he was leading a song, but we didn't know what we were doing. Like We had no idea what it was going to look like. What, we had never been there before. But um, So we're sitting at breakfast and we're kind of talking and and he kind of is asking me, you know, what is this going to be like? Like, is it like a worship moment? Is it like I'm just doing an introduction song? And I felt bad because I was like, I don't know. I just told him you would do it. I didn't get any of those details. <laughs> so um, so he and we're kind of trying to figure out how we can figure it out. And next thing you know, they call him up and he's on his way. And so he's up there. And I'll tell you what, it was a complete change in the moment. Because even though we had no idea what they were expecting, they, we didn't know what they wanted us to do. Pastor Aaron has spent his life preparing to lead people into worship. And so he leads us in the prayer. He asks people to stand up and he guides us through this worship song. And he kind of pauses and he lets people know like, hey, in this moment, connect with God right now. Let God speak to you about what it is you need to be working on in your heart. And he guided us into a moment different denominations, different seasons of life, all these people together, whether they were ready for it or not, spent a few minutes in worship before we went about our day. And it was one of those moments where I realized, here's Aaron, who I joke around with 90% of the time. I play ping pong with him another 9% of the time. And he, like, we didn't know what to expect. But because he spent his life and his job preparing to guide people into worship, preparing in the spirit, when the opportunity came and we didn't necessarily know what to do, that's exactly what he led us into. And that's how we can all be 
as ambassadors for Christ. Maybe we don't need to learn to play the guitar. We don't need to learn how to sing. Thank goodness. But we can recall the moments and we can pay attention when the Holy Spirit's talking to us. And we can see how God has worked in our lives so that when the conversations come and we're not certain about where they're going to go, we can trust the Holy Spirit and we can see the moments that he's shown himself in our lives. And we're prepared for those conversations to be had. And we're not just leaning on him for the first time when the moment comes. And so our final point here is, if we're going to share God's message with the world, it requires us to remember what that message is. We have to always point people to Christ. You know, there's um, a pastor that I listen to, uh, and he's been around for a while, and he's done a lot of great things, but I remember one message I listened to where he's telling a story, and he's talking about how he's on a plane, and, and they're getting ready for their flight, and He's an older pastor, which means he doesn't put headphones on. He's ready to have a conversation with the person next to him. So he's waiting to see who's going to be sitting next to him. And sure enough, this young lady is coming through the aisle, and she's got a drink in her hand. And by his depiction, he thinks he, she probably had a couple more before that. But she guides her way and eventually gets down to the seat next to him. And they start talking, and she's talking loud. And, and finally, she gets to the point where she asks him, so what do you do? And he's kind of like taking his deep breath and he's like, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. I, I work for a church. And, and he says that you could tell her guard just goes up. And it was almost like she sobers up right away and she's like, oh, well, I don't like churches. And starting talking about how she had a problem with it and what she didn't like. And he's, you know, being a punching bag and just sitting there listening and, you know, just giving some comments and stuff like that. And, and she eventually just gets to a point where she's frustrated and she's like, well, what does your God think of this? And like holds the drink right in his face. And this is a guy who I, I know has pretty strong beliefs about alcohol and things like that in his life. And yet in this moment, he's being sensitive to the spirit. And rather than just make a rebuttal or say something back, he, he just tells her, you know, I don't think God really cares about that right now. I don't think that's God's concern. I think God wants to know who you are. And I think God wants to get to know you a little bit. And in that moment, she just kind of like her shoulders lower. And he realizes that this is probably the first time in her life that a conversation about Christianity isn't about what she's doing wrong. It isn't about how she acts or how she lives her life, but it's about someone who's trying to know her. A savior that came down for the sake of her. And does that mean that when we turn our lives for Christ and we surrender ourselves to him, that we don't change the way we act and, and our lives aren't different? Of course it doesn't. It means all of that. But in a world that gets so caught up in different political conversations and, and different things about things happening in culture and everyone has a voice, sometimes we get so caught up in the doctrine or the message right there or the argument at hand and we forget to point people to who the true message is. But if we're going to be the church that believes that God has transformed us and has made us alive because of what he's done and we believe that he can have that same impact on the rest of the world, then we got to stop trying to take it into our own hands to correct people. And we just have to point people to who Jesus is and trust that he's going to be the one that transforms them. Because we don't do it on our own. 
nor could we ever do it on our own. The only thing is that's going to change this world is Jesus. And so as we're closing, Aaron, you can make your way up. Um, as you guys are going about your day and as you're kind of going on this week, I want to challenge you guys to, to ask yourself a couple questions. Because like we've said before, we, we have a responsibility. Once we come to know Christ, we have a responsibility to communicate that message to people. We're not necessarily saving people, but we're a part of the process that God is using. So I want to challenge you guys to ask yourself these questions. Number one, what message do I want to communicate to people? Because I think for a lot of us, we get caught up in the moment and we realize, you know, am I directing people towards Jesus? Am I willing to put my own opinions aside? Am I willing to put, you know, my stance on on this topic aside? for the sake of having a conversation with someone about Christ. And once having that conversation is allowed, building off of that and seeing someone come to know him and be transformed by what the Holy Spirit can do to them. What is the message that I want to communicate? And then also, what message am I communicating? Because while we're all sitting here thinking, we all know that there's people that God is calling us to reach. God wants to use every single one of us in here to connect with someone and to share his message with them. But if you think of the relationship that you have with those people, it is the first priority to be a representative of Christ. You know, with the friends that we just enjoy hanging out with or the co-workers that we see nine to five and then we just go about our lives is the priority to be an example of Christ's love. And so while we're going to this moment of worship, I just want you guys to think about that. And maybe for some of you out there, you're not at that point. Maybe you, you, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ and that's not even something you've even thought about up until this point. But if you feel something stirring inside you and you feel like maybe that's a conversation you want to ask questions about or just find answers, please, at the end of service, come talk to one of our prayer partners. We'd love to have that conversation with you. But wherever you are in your walk, wherever you are feeling right now, don't leave here without at least just being willing to hear the message that God has. Because as someone who has been following Christ for since I was in middle school, it is a life worth living. And it is life transforming. So Lord, we love you. And we thank you for today, God. Lord, we thank you for the fact that your son came and died for us, God. And Lord, that we get to play a part in what you are doing in this world, Lord. And God, I pray that as we go into this week, as we know with Nick V that we have a ton of people that are about to come to hear your message for the first time, that you just prepare us to be a part of that. You just allow us and fill us with your spirit to be a representative of what it means to live a life worth living, a life following you, Lord. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.